you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. He said, I said, okay, maybe you're going to make it up in the signing bonus. Mm -hmm. I said, so what's the signing bonus? He said $150. What? One, five, zero. What can you buy with that? This man had the nerve to tell me. All I'm worth is $150. <laughs> Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson. I'm not joined by Coach Brian Billick this week, but we're usually here to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, we're talking to a Hall of Fame receiver, Drew Piercing, all about America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. You don't want to miss what he has to say about Dak Prescott. Let's get it. Let's welcome in again the Hall of Famer, the original 88 for the Dallas Cowboys, Hall of Famer, Drew Pearson. Big Drew, what's going on, big fella? No, I'm just hanging, man. Hanging, enjoying life. 70 years old and still kicking. Hood, hood. Yeah, there it is, man. You like you can still get out there and play right now. But, of course, we do a <laughs> locker room story every single time we have a guest on. Let's hear this week's locker room story. Yeah, we had a, you know, I had a fullback on our team named Walt Garrison. You know, he's a Bronco Buffer. You know, he's a rodeo guy. He used to roping calf and all that. Yeah. He's a real tough guy. So, you know, back in the day, fullback was a really important position. Now it's kind of almost uh, extinct in a lot of offenses you see out there, which, which to me is a shame. You know, yeah. bring it back, you'll see more success running the football in the NFL if you, if, you, if you did that. You know, but Walt Garrison was the kind of fullback just leading the running back into the hole. That was mm. pretty much his job. He never hardly carried the football, but he blocked a lot. And in doing that, you're blocking linebackers, sometimes defensive ends. And, yeah. you know, back in the day, it was all about sticking your head in there, okay? Yep. Blocking, yep. tackling, everything was stick your head in there, stick your head in there. You know, hear that I didn't play no uh, defense, Rob. <laughs> I wasn't sticking my head in no way. <laughs> I'd rather try to deal with a hit, but I'm yeah. sticking my head in nowhere. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Walt, you know, played what, this one game, and uh, he got, got got knocked out during the game, finished the whole game. And one thing about when the player is knocked out, he doesn't know, you don't know, because he's still doing the things like he normally does. Yeah. But he comes, wakes up on the sideline, they give him that, uh, that ammonia snap, and yep. you know, and it wakes you up. All you are is a, a wide awake complaint concussed person now. <laughs> oh, wow. You know? oh, yeah. you know, just like they gave coffee to a drunk, you're just a yeah. wide awake drunk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so that's all that is. But anyway, next day he goes to the locker room and I know he's hurting, okay? Mm -hmm. I had my locker right next to him. I know he's hurting, but anyway, no, there's no, we get, get no treatment. So he goes to the training room. I'm finishing up my deal. I'm in the sauna trying to mm -hmm. get the soreness out of me and, and I'm finished. I shower up. I go into the... Uh, the training room there, you know, we had two hot tubs, okay, okay, in the corner. In one hot tub, I noticed like a pipe, something sticking out from the water. Uh -huh. So I go over there and I look into the hot tub to see what it was. And all of a sudden, 
Walt Garrison comes flying out of, out of there. there. He was submerged in the water. And the thing is that I thought was a pipe was a snorkel, okay? <laughs> he was breathing. Yeah. <laughs> he had a face mask on. He was dipped in the water, submerged in the hot tub, okay? With the <laughs> snorkel coming up so he could breathe. And this was his treatment to deal with his head his head concussion that he got in the last game. What's the what's the thought no process behind that? Well, how many fingers I got up, or <laughs> you know, you know, giving the eye test or any kind of thing. He had to wow. do it on his own, and the best best way he felt the best way he felt to deal with that was to submerge himself. You know, like you get any other kind of other injury, you go yeah. to the hot tub. You know, you stick it in there. <laughs> well, he thought the best way to deal with his head injury was submerge himself. <laughs> into that hot tub kind of put my head in there and then he popped out (laughs) (laughs) popped out and scared you really scared everybody you know you can't scare the brother like that yeah yeah (laughs) we're a little shaky yeah (laughs) anyway right all right so look check this out drew so you signed as an undrafted free agent to uh out of tulsa to the dallas cowboys right to america's team yeah take take our listeners back to what it was like when you first walked in that door and was like okay I'm in pro football, and this is the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, Rob, it's a big deal for me. You know, at, disappointed not getting drafted. You know, mm-hmm. that's back when he had 17 rounds of the draft, 450 some players, Damn, and no one drafted rounds? Drew Pearson. Now I'm, I'm wow. almost over that. I'm not as bitter as I used to be about that. You can't dwell on that negative, Rob. You got to yeah, move on. Yeah, got to move know? on, brother. But as an undrafted free agent, I had a chance to sign with the Green Bay Packers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, or the Dallas Cowboys. And I didn't sign with Green Bay because, you know, it's too cold up there for this brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we ain't, right, we ain't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was, and I was a Packer fan growing up. Not so much a fan, but a fan of a lot of players from yeah. back in the day. Uh, and then I didn't sign with the Steelers because uh, I, I let Twin, Lynn Swan wear number 88 and have a career. Oh, you let him so, have that, yeah. Yeah, you got that, Lynn. He, he took it and ran it. Ran with yeah. it too, didn't he? But anyway, I signed with the Cowboys. And uh, the reason is, number one, was Tom Landry. And the number two is they had a history of free agents making their roster. Cliff mm-hmm. Harris, who's going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, Cornell Green, who was a basketball player. You know, so many guys that they brought in that, you know, once you got to the camp, it didn't matter where your number one draft pick or a free mm-hmm. agent, everybody got the equal opportunity look. And so, you know, just coming to the Cowboys, when they signed me, Rob, was the second day of the draft. I'm in my Tulsa apartment. I was married at the time, and uh, I was disappointed. I'm drowning my sorrows in Boone's Farm. farm. Yep. You know what Boone's Farm is? You're kind of yeah. young. You might yeah, not know, know what that is. I know <laughs> what it is. I'm from the South, man. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, strawberry was my favorite, so I'm drinking okay. all the strawberry. And my phone rings late that night, and it's from the Cowboys, and it's a scout. Bob Griffin, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. He's in he's in Tulsa. He wants to sign me right now. But so you know, disappointment and not getting drafted. And if somebody's here to sign right now, I'm on my way. I'm going to sign. So I yeah. said, hey, sir, you got to give me about 30, 45 minutes because I had to kind of sober up a little, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be smelling like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, brush my teeth to get that yeah. breath, you know, right? And all that. <laughs> so I went down there and he wanted to sign me right then and there. He said, we couldn't mm-hmm. believe you didn't get drafted. We think you could play in the NFL. We want to give you a shot. And so I said, okay, let's sign. So he said, wow. uh, we're offering you a contract. I said, okay. 
what's that? He said, the base salary, $14,500. And I said, hmm, that's the signing bonus or that yeah. per game? <laughs> he said, no, that's your base salary. And he said, oh, I said, okay, maybe you're going to make it up in the signing bonus. Mm -hmm. I said, so what's the signing bonus? He said, $150. What? One, five, zero. What can you buy this with man that? had a nerve to tell me <laughs> all I'm worth is $150. <laughs> well, that's all the money they had probably for you. A lot no, of people. No, no, no. They had more. They just worked with me. Okay. Oh, they, oh okay. And they okay. knew I'm desperate. Okay. Mm -hmm. So here's what I told that scout, Rob. I said, you pay me that signing bonus in cash. I'll sign right now. Okay. Really? <laughs> he, had, he took out seven twenties and a 10. And he laid it out on the table, and I counted it, and that's how I got my signing bonus. No, Dallas. I didn't even get a check back to frame, you know, take yeah. a picture of. <laughs> he gave you the he gave you the money out the back of his pocket. Yeah, and we didn't have ATMs back then. You know, uh, he had to be prepared. He, he knew had to I be ready. Take this money. Yeah, he, said, he probably had two hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if he holds out, I can go to 200. Okay? Yeah, you can go to 200. Wow. So you know what, Rob? He asked me, he said, uh, why do you want the money in cash? I said, because uh, I need uh, gas money to get back to the college apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so you spent, hold up, man. He was, he was there in Tulsa, signed you on the spot, and yeah. paid you your signing bonus out of the back of his pocket. Out of the back of his pocket in cash, 720s and a 10. And Rob, don't tell anybody, but I still oh. haven't reported it, okay? Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Yo, so, so Drew, you, you mentioned earlier one of the reasons you signed with the Dallas Cowboys was Coach Landry. Yes. Talk about, talk about why. You know, why Coach Landry? Uh, what was so special about the man walking in that building every single day and having the experience with Coach Landry? Well, the big reason, Rob, is because I needed that. I needed that type of discipline in football. You know, mm -hmm. I had that in high school. Okay. I come from South River High School in New Jersey, and it was a big deal to play for football for South River High School. It was a tradition. I am not the first Hall of Famer to come out of South River High School in South River, New Jersey. There's a guy named Alex Wojciechowicz. Okay. He was number 50. He was number one draft pick by the Detroit Lions. You know what he was drafted as? What's a that? center on offense and a nose guard on defense. What? He played at Fordham <laughs> University with Vince Lombardi, one of the seven blocks of granite. And he was inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1968. So I'm not even mm -hmm. one of the first from my high school into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But wow. that's the tradition of South River, South River High School. So, And then also my quarterback in high school for one season was Joe Theismann. Okay? Joe Theismann was Joe? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. He played uh, – he was a senior when I was a sophomore. And I started on the varsity at receiver and safety on defense. And that was big for a sophomore to start for South River High School. Right. So I would play the varsity game at receiver and safety on defense on Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. kickoff, and then play the whole game. And we were good. We were undefeated. Uh -huh. We were 9 and 0, unscored upon for six games. We only played mm -hmm. nine, had no playoffs back then. Joey was a bad man. I was mean, he? He was, a, he was a bad high school quarterback. <laughs> and guess what? He'd be the What's first that? to tell you how good he was. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I know, Joey. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so anyway, uh, so I would play that varsity game on Saturday afternoon. And then Monday, I would play the JV game at quarterback to groom to replace Joey. 
I was playing two games a week back they then. They allowed you to do that? Oh, yeah, there was no so, question. Yeah, <laughs> they would call the police on us <laughs> now if we did that. Well, allowed. <laughs> allowed? You better do it. They tell me. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so you do it. <laughs> That's how it was. But anyway, the tradition of South River is there, and that carried us through. But then I go to Tulsa, and it was a tough decision. I chose it over Nebraska. I was a quarterback. They wanted me to play quarterback and all that. And I chose Tulsa because I wanted to play more ba- – I was a baseball player. Okay. And I wanted to be play baseball, and Tulsa had a great, great baseball program. Going to College World Series every year, players getting drafted and all that kind of stuff. But, man, the three years uh, – four years at Tulsa, I had three head coaches, three losing seasons, and three years of probation. So I'm in that negative environment. I couldn't yeah. prosper. So I wanted discipline, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what we had at South River. It was nothing about – everything was about discipline. You know, being part of the team and all that and having success because of that. And so I wanted to go into that kind of environment. And I knew Coach Landry was like that. I know his environment was like that. And it certainly was, more than I ever expected it to be. Because he was very much a disciplinarian. But, you know, Rob, that's what I want in football. I don't want a coach to be my buddy. I want a coach up here and me here, okay? I don't necessarily need to see eye to eye with him. I trust him. Okay, Mm -hmm. I trust that he's going to put me in the right position to be successful as a pro football player. And Coach Landry, look, he didn't care if I didn't was a number, not not a number one draft pick or a free agent. You know, he looked Mm -hmm. for players that had character. He looked for players that were intelligent. He looked for players that were passionate, that loved the game. And he Mm -hmm. looked then talent was the last thing he really looked for. If you had some talent, which I did have, I could catch the ball. You know, I wasn't fast. I ran a 4640. I was only 165, 170 pounds. You know, I never <laughs> lifted any weights till I got to the pros, but I could catch the football. So I had some talent. And so, you know, because of all those other things I had, and in that system, you know, I was able to prosper. And, you know, if you understood what was going on, what Coach Landry was trying to implement, the discipline and the way he was handling things. And, and, and the thing is, the cool thing, uh, Rob, is not he only was not trying to prepare us for each and every football game or to be a good football player. He was also trying to prepare us for life after football. Life. Oh, you know, everything you was done in a business-like atmosphere. And if you're there smart you enough, you know, I mean, how many times can you sit in a meeting for 11 seasons and go over X's and O's and pick up new things? You know, you know just yeah. as much as anybody else by that time. But what I did on those 11 years and then one year as a coach on Landry's staff is that, you know, I watched and observed how they did business, you know? Mm-hmm. Why were they successful? Starting from a, a, an expansion franchise, going through those years of losing, coming out of it, winning their first Super Bowl in the 70s, you know? And then, wow. you know, making it America's team and all that kind of stuff. And this is what I wanted to learn because, you know, you had to prepare for life after football, mm-hmm. you know, back then. You know, I started at 14-5, but finished at 22-5, 11 years later, you wow. know? That's so, it? You, know, that, you went from 14 to 22? Yeah. That, so anyway, uh, you had to prepare for life after football, and a lot of the things Coach Landry was instilling in us was to help us prepare, prepare for life after football. When I got out of the game, I, had, I, worked tw- I, I owned a company, Drew Pearson Marketing, for 23 years. I sold NFL licensed headwear for nine seasons. A black-owned company, Drew Pearson Marketing. I wow. paid the NFL more money, over $9 million, as a, uh, as a licensee 
doing business, selling headwear, baseball caps, you know, mm. for nine seasons. And I paid them a lot more money than they paid me to play that game <laughs> for 11 seasons, including that little per diem money they used to yeah. give up. Wow. Know? But that's what I did when I retired. Roger Staubach, he's regarded as the, one of the richest, if not the richest uh, athlete that ever played uh, pro mm. football. He got in the real estate business. He would leave practice and go to real estate meetings after practice. Wow. You know, Leroy Jordan, he owned the lumber company that's still thriving today. Chuck Halley, uniform business, work uniforms, it's still thriving today, you know? So all of us got into a business uh, climate once we got out of the game, and a lot of the acumen we learned from being around Coach Landry and the Cowboys. When we went to games, Rob, we wore suit and ties, okay? We were pinned up. We carried briefcases. We were studying the computer printout, tendencies, Mm. analytical data. Way back in the early 70s. What? You know, that's what we were using to study the tendencies of our opponent. We were breaking down every little thing they were doing, every down and distance. And the computer printouts back then, you know, can you see my hands? Yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they were huge. And you had to lug that thing around. And then in the briefcase, you had your playbook. You had to carry that thing around. But Ooh. you always had to have that suit and tie on. And Coach Landy wasn't doing that just to mess with you. He was doing that to try to prepare you tone, for life man. after football. So mm-hmm. now I, after I retire, I go to my first business meeting. I ain't got uh-huh. no problem putting a tie on. You're I know how to it. put a tie on dressed to go to a meeting and present myself that way. Mm-hmm. So that was the thing about being around Coach Landry. And uh, it was just a tremendous experience. And I don't think I would have been the player that I turned out to be if it wasn't for, well, two things. Him, number one, and the rest of the coaching staff. And number mm-hmm. two, with those players I played with, you know, I yeah, played with some Hall of Famers, man. <laughs> you're, you're playing with these guys. These guys are really pros. You know, I learned how to be a good football player hanging around those guys too, but they also learned how to be a pro, how they approach mm-hmm. the game, you know, how they prepared themselves, you know, how they study. Somebody was always taking, you know, we, we didn't have the iPads and stuff like they have now. Yeah. We have to take cans of of of, of film, film yep. to study it. Cans Put it of in film. that projector and go round and round and stuff like that. But we did it, you know. And so well, you, awesome, you learn things how to be a pro off the field and how to carry yourself as a professional, being around some of the guys I was around. Drew, your description of Tom Landry sounds just like a coach I played for in Joe Paterno with the Penn State Nittany Lions. Old school, all oh, about yes. discipline. All about discipline, right? As you look around, right, a a lot of teams consider your team their rival. You talk about the Eagles. They they look at the the Cowboys as a rival, the Giants, Washington, the Steelers in the 70s. In your opinion, who was the biggest rivalry um, that you got amped up for, that you really was like, okay, this is it's time to give them the real Drew Pearson uh, this this game? Well, Rob, my my thing was uh, anybody on the East Coast, Okay, I'm from New Jersey. I grew up a giant and a Jet fan. I couldn't stand the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, what? What? <laughs> I was all about the Giants. I won a punt, passing, kick contest when I was about 12 years old, and the thing yeah. I won, Rob, was a New York Giant helmet. Okay? Really? <laughs> and I'm sleeping in that helmet. Oh man, I'm loving it. Oh man. But anyway, I was a, I was a Giant and Jet fan. So anytime we played in Philly, Washington, or in New Jersey. I was ready for that. And Coach Landry knew that, you know? Uh He knew that I'm going to be a little more hyped up, a little more ready. So I used to get my number called a lot more in those situations when we played those teams. 
especially when we went on the road to play them, you know, in their yeah, stadium. at their stadium. But yeah. you know what? It was easy to get up for those games. Right? You know, some games are naturally you get up for mm -hmm. because of the competitiveness mm -hmm. in those games that come along with that. Absolutely. And then when you're playing within your division, you're playing teams twice a year, you know, twice a season. And then you do that for 11 years, you know, it ain't like the league now where it's transient players moving all over the place. Yeah. Sometimes in an 11 year career, you playing against the same defensive back, you know, for 11 straight seasons, <laughs> you know, there were no That's moving crazy. back in the day. Yeah. You got traded back in the day. You were damaged good. Something was wrong with uh, you. It was you know? a bad so there was thing no you got traded. movement back then, but anything yeah. on the East coast, I had my, some of my best games in giant stadium. I caught the first touchdown pass in giant stadium. Uh, in 1976, a post pattern uh, uh -huh. in the uh, in the uh, east corner. Excuse me. Yep. Yeah, the east corner of the end zone. I had uh, about 300 uh, South River, New Jersey fans up oh! there. Section 360, <laughs> and it was live, man. And then playing in Philadelphia in the vet, you know how those yeah. Eagle fans just hated us. And then you <laughs> go down to VC and RK. That mm -hmm. old stadium, you know, you think you're playing on, on green grass? No, it's dirt. It's green dirt, Holmes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there yeah. was no grass. That old stadium won't <laughs> like that. All that going on. Oh, yeah. so intimidating. But those kind of games and those kind of atmospheres get you up naturally for the game. So you're very competitive in those situations. But I'm going to fast forward a little bit to, to some of the current uh, Dallas Cowboys, okay? Um, and I'm just going to ask you flat out about Jerry Jones. I know Jerry took, you know, brought the team a little bit later after you, um, after you had uh, uh, left. But what's Jerry Jones like when the camera's off, man? Because the dude has bravado. You know what I'm saying? I think I think he is so gangster. I love it, man. You know what I mean? Straight business, yeah. man. But what's it? What's he like with the camera? With, with the cameras off? I don't think he's any different. <laughs> yeah. With Jerry Jones, what you see is what you get. And he ain't really? trying to impress nobody. You know, he's just going to be Jerry Jones. You like it or you don't like it. There's really no middle road. You know, it's like the mm -hmm. Cowboys. You love them or you hate them. There ain't nobody in the middle. You know, Jerry Jones the same way. But I got tremendous, tremendous respect for him. You know, yeah. for what he did, how he got into the league, what he laid on the line to get in the league. You know, he laid every penny. He he uh, uh, maxed out every credit card, mm, everything mm. he owned. He, he he liquidated, you know, to get enough money to buy the Dallas Cowboys. And yeah. his dad told him, you know, he says, son, if you're going to do this, you better not fail. You better not fail because <laughs> these are the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, right? there you go. And you better not fail. And so, you know, it was a lot of pressure on him. And mm -hmm. he came in green, not knowing much about the NFL game, but he learned it. You know how he, know how he learned it? He worked his butt off. That man worked. He was 78, 79 years old. I bet you'll find him right now in the office. You know, okay. that man okay. is always working. And then he brings his family into the business. And they learn it from the ground up. Charlotte, you know, she probably yep. be, might be the first woman in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The thing she's doing on some of these committees she's on. And then mm -hmm. Stephen Jones, he's the heir apparent to Jerry. He's making all the business decisions right now, you know. Yep. He's pretty much running the team, and Jerry's still there, you know, as mm -hmm. the influencer. But, you know, for him to do it the way he's done it, you know, I, I just admire that, you know. Yeah. And so I got a lot of respect for him. And here's the deal as about far as not winning and having the success after the 90s when he did yeah. have that success. You know, he's tried, okay. I don't think it's his fault. 
You know, he tried to uh, uh, get the best players. He tried to pay the players when they deserved the money or he, the players felt like they deserved the money. But so many cases, Rob, when he gave those players the money, you know, they didn't, they didn't live up to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm like saying, ah, now I'm, tr- I'm not satisfied with one of these contracts. I'm going to yeah. want another one in three or four years, just like that, or even more money. What do you but think a lot about of times these players get that money? They get complacent. They get all the luxuries they deal with nowadays and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they forget what's important. And so anyway, um, what do you think? Of, what, what do you think about Dak's deal? Dak Prescott's but, deal? Oh yeah. Uh, I like it because yeah. that's the value. <laughs> yep. And uh, I just hated that they did Dak like they did him, make him wait as long as they did. In the meantime, they're giving Zeke the money. They're giving Jalen Smith the money. They're giving Zach Martin the money. They're giving Tyron Smith the money. They're giving everybody else the money. But what about the quarterback? That's you true. know, and Dak. You know, everybody criticizes him, but I, I, you know, back in the day, I used to work for uh, when Dak was a, a senior. I worked for the local TV station doing cowboy reports and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I had predicted to my co-host there, Newey Scruggs. I said. The Cowboys needed that uh, uh, draft, that Prescott. And no, I, what I saw really? at Mississippi State, I saw a winner. Okay, uh-huh. Mississippi State wasn't nothing before <laughs> Dak Prescott got there. Okay, <laughs> you know, I maybe had some guy named uh, I don't know John David Crow back in the day. I don't know. There yeah. was some guy way, from way back in the day, but Mississippi State hadn't run nothing in the SEC uh, before Dak got there. But when Dak was there, you know, they rose to number one in mm-hmm. the country. They beat Alabama, okay? So Dak leaves. What happened to Mississippi State? They haven't won anything since. Yeah. So what I saw in Dak was a a winner. And the way he approached the game and his own personal story and things like that that motivated him, his mom being sick and all that kind of stuff, I said, I I hope the Dallas Cowboys draft Dak Prescott. And I couldn't believe that he was available in the fourth round. Fourth round. And the Cowboys did draft him. And ever since he beat, he put Tony Romo out of the game. Okay. Let's be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Jerry Jones loved him some Tony Romo. He Mm -hmm. still loves him some Tony (laughs) Romo. He just gave Tony Romo money for the hell of it. Yeah. (laughs) Just cause. He's like a son. Here, here, take some money. Just take some money, man. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) You know, but he put, you know, Tony had that injury, but they didn't even force Tony to come back and want him to come back. Because they had their quarterback for the future in Dak Prescott, and he didn't let him down. All he needed was people around him. So I'm glad they took care of Dak, and Dak can throw to me anytime. You know, mm-hmm. I don't say that about many quarterbacks, but Dak Prescott, well, he can throw some of that money my way, too. But. <laughs> me, too. <laughs> well, look, but he can throw me that ball anytime he wants. I, Drew, I'm a believer in Dak Prescott. Last question before I let you go, okay? Mike McCarthy is the new head coach. You know, he, it was a COVID year for him. So I'm a, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily say this 2020 season is on Mike McCarthy, on Coach McCarthy. Do you think Coach McCarthy's system and him being with the Dallas Cowboys, do you think he can kind of renew that winning tradition to back to win, you know, the days that you were playing? Do you think they got the right system in place right now? Yeah, and I think we got the right coach to do that. You know, I hope we do. And, uh, you know, I believe that we do. You know, uh, you know, he's a successful coach, has been successful in the NFL, uh, knows what he's doing. This was a tough year coming in with COVID and all that stuff going on. And you can't get in front of the players. And, you know, even your coaching staff, all that was changed over. You know, we switched our defense and the players had to learn a new defense, mm-hmm. you know, with Mike Nolan coming in and trying to implement his 
his philosophies and stuff like that. And I don't know if he was the best fit for the players that we had. Not only that, but he was, I don't know if he was the best fit for Mike McCarthy, you know, uh, where Mike McCarthy can trust him to do what he needed to do. So maybe Mike McCarthy was filtering, uh, taking some time away from the offense and filtering into the defense and that, you know, caused the offense to suffer a little bit, but now they bring in Dan Quinn, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, he's a Seattle guy. So, you know, yeah. him, Legion of boom and doom yeah. and whatever that is up there. <laughs> y'all knocking people out. You know, back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, they bring him in. So hopefully he'll bring a different style mm-hmm. and more importantly, a, a philosophy that meets the talent that we have, you know, yeah. we had more of a, a, a four man line talent, a forefront, and then, you know, uh, Nolan was trying to be a three, three front and all that yeah. type of stuff. And players were confused back there and they weren't reacting on defense. You got to learn to know your stuff so well that you don't have to think. You react because if you're thinking, I'm gone, you yeah. know, touchdown yeah. right behind you. So anyway, I think uh, they made some good moves on the defensive side as far as bringing in a new system, something uh, 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 that meets what the players bring. And then on the offense side, it's just a matter of healing up. Dang you know, nice. healing up Dak, healing up Tyron Smith, healing mm-hmm. up Zach Martin. You know, look at our receivers. Amari Cooper, you know, Gallup. Oh, hey, number 88. 88. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there it is, Zeke, man. Zeke had an off year. I got a feeling Zeke going to have a chip on his shoulder, wanting to redeem himself for the year yeah. he had. You know, so I think the motivation is there. It's just a matter of players uh, understanding that, the coach gives you the game plan. Just go out and execute. Execute it. It's your job to tackle, to block, to run, to pass, to catch, and do all those things. I don't care if you like the game. You think I like Coach Landry's game plan every week? Hell no. <laughs> no. I'm in the back cussing him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, you see this stuff? But I can't believe we're execute. running this stuff. But yeah. we didn't like it, but what do we do? We went you out and, and executed execute. it. We did what we had to do because that's our job. Our job is not to criticize that. So hopefully these guys understand that and uh, Dak will be the man this year. And you'll, he'll come back and be better than he's ever was before he got hurt. Drew, I cannot thank you enough for stopping by, man. You are truly a gem. All right. You are a gem. You are, you are so important to our football story. Talking about the national thank football you. league. I'm so happy you got in the hall of fame, man. Thank you, thank man. Thank you for coming by. You can come by this show anytime you want, right on, anytime you want. And that'll do it for this week's show, this week's episode of total access to locker room for more insight with the locker room point of view. Check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.